Eu quero ser seu coração, são, eu quero ser seu com, eu quero esfregar na sua boca e ser seu beltão. Eu quero ser seu sabonete que lise embaixo do chuveiro. Eu quero ser toalha que deslize o seu corpo inteiro. Eu quero ser seu travesseiro, quero ser seu para esfregar a boca, <risos> ser seu dormir. Eu quero ser seu entrapalho. <risos> That's it. Okay, that was horrible. <laughs> no, no, it was he great. Can, the king can do it way better than uh, I can. Oh, that was horrible. Today's Sorry. Por today's Portuguese day. That's, right. yeah. That's what's going on. I man. tried. Larry, I tried. welcome back, bro. He does it way better than I do. <laughs> way better. <laughs> Tell the listeners who that was again. It's uh, Roberto Carlos. There we go. He's about 130 years old by now. Well, But he's all over said. iTunes. He's got to be streaming. Oh, for I sure. Guarantee you. No, he, uh, he only does two presentations now, like a year. So he does like a... Uh, Christmas special and I think a New Year's special and then anyone else that's like filthy rich he'll come and do like private shows and stuff like that wow. but like he is like the king he probably he probably has more downloads than Justin Bieber mm, most likely yes he has I don't know how many albums probably 70 albums or something like that exactly. over his years um, but like his music if you like go and see the type of like it's that that love that passion that that old school love where like, you know, he was talking about like, uh, I want to be the, the soap, you know, in the shower, you know, rubbing on your, <laughs> all over your skin. I want to be the, the, the towel that dries you off. I want to be the pillow that you lay down onto. Right. Like it's, it's really so like the hopeless romantic, here? right? Why like isn't that here? It's like the hopeless romantic. And I think we've lost a lot of that these days with like the app, you know, the dating apps and all this stuff. Um, Technology, you know, life, you know, that passion where like, you don't know what she's up to. You know, you send the love letters and you, or you're just thinking about the person And, uh, you know, it's just that fire. I think there's a like, lot of romantic guys in the construction industry and girls. I, I think there is. I think they're just quiet about it. That's all. Mm. I'm hoping that was, they're quiet about it. I'm a bit of a hopeless romantic, I think. Myself, I, I think you need to be in this craziness, man. Yeah. Why would I you want to be anything other? I, I, would, I wouldn't want to be the norm. You know, I, I just. So you open up the show I'm, with that, eh? Yeah. And we got to wonder, where's the love. show going to go from there? <laughs> do you want to be the soap? <laughs> no, not your soap. Thank you very much, hey, Larry. Hey, I didn't say it was going to be my soap. <laughs> Thank you very much, Larry. <laughs> Ketile Co. is back. Uh, <laughs> www.ketile.ca uh, or house. You're on house? What's yeah, yeah, on? we're on house. Oh, yeah, yeah you're on yeah, house. We've got quite a few uh, reviews. House. house. Info at ketile.ca and yep. it's on Instagram at, at ketileco and at keysurfaces. That's right. Thank you very Here much for are, coming man. back well, on the thanks show. Thanks for having me. And man. I know this that you recently awesome. saw Dimitri there, and he kind of. I did. Uh, I tried to help myself from vomiting before I got here. <laughs> thanks, D. But, yeah, thanks, thanks, Coach D. Yeah, shout out to him for sure. He's a really good guy, and I uh, would recommend anybody that's looking to change your 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 body and spirit around. He would be a good guy to connect with. To do that, yeah. I want to share a little tweet uh, from. I'm an avid listener that's always sending me these interesting messages, and I just figure I'll just read it for what it is, man. 
Hey, Manny, I got some fucking clown down here that's trying to sell me how to do my job. LOL, some guy who is a GC wanted to hire me to do some work for a client of his. The guy is seven weeks behind on schedule, so figured uh, you would subcontract somebody else to come in and finish up a bathroom. He didn't like that. I told him that he couldn't install 12 by 24 tiles on the wall with just regular drywall. L-O-L-A-O-I, I don't know, then didn't like that, and I told him uh, he needed to do the electrical properly with permits. LOL, guy just had a big hissy fit with me and through text messaging. So his little phrase, this person who just sent me this message, is uh, whenever someone's pissing him off, he just says, uh, would you like a cookie? Would you like a cookie? Would you like a cookie? Um, like kind of like a, the old school like got milk commercials, like that big cookie. Just I think it's more like he's, like he's had enough of your stupidity and mm. just like, would you like a cookie and go away? That kind of mentality. <laughs> <laughs> would you like a cookie for that? Because he's not really doing the job properly. No. When was the last time or any time that you installed 12 by 24 tile over drywall? Over plain drywall? Uh, normally, like outside the wet area would have plain drywall, but it'd have to be at least primed and or painted. And um, the reasons for that? Um, yes, actually, we did a test. It's pretty interesting. So if you take uh, plain drywall and you put thin set on your tile or back butter the wall and then you stick it on the wall, what starts to happen is the drywall tries to start taking the moisture. Moisture. Yeah. yeah. And then the, the thin set sticks to the paper and then the paper starts to separate from the gypsum. So it so, delaminates. Yeah. And then you go to take that off. The next day, for example, or if you like push it, it's like it feels kind of soft. You can rip that tile off, and it will, it'll, it'll completely from the paper onward. Paper it, it and the gypsum will just come right off, like, like if it was like butter. So you would never put it in a wet area, uh, without it being primed waterproofed or, waterproof. or primed or something yeah. at least. Yeah. Um, never drywall, you know, factory drywall with nothing on it you are leading yourself up to there's gonna be that tile eventually will fail oh yeah especially it'll if peel. it's on the ceiling it'll be ooh. what's the weight of a 12 by 24 the weight of a 12 by 24 average 24 is what what is it it's a centimeter probably, so it's three eighths of an inch yeah so probably eight pounds or something like eight that. pounds for the tile yeah five pounds why do the boxes feel so much heavier than that well because there's six of them six no there's three of them here in Vancouver, there's six? There should be six to a box of a 12 by 24, five, six. Really? Box. Oh, yeah. And then of, what's of it? Porcelain? Is yeah, it twice porcelain. as heavy with so the So stone, uh, stone will be a little bit more because it's heavier. Um, there'll be like four to a box or... I know average slab weight. You correct me if I'm wrong because you like... No, I'm not wrong. I'm wrong. <laughs> You're very wrong. <laughs> I'm not wrong on that, okay? Uh, uh, slab average weight is 800 pounds for three uh, 2 cm? Oh, for 2CM? Average weight? It depends. I know granite would be heavier, but like a regular three-quarter, Yeah, probably pounds? closer to nine. So if, it, like, if a slab like, is... Depending on like, if it's the jumbo or regular slabs, right? Because if you're talking quartz, the man-made stuff, there's the jumbo, right? That's even bigger. It's what and is it? Five, five, it's five by... It's normally no. five, almost five and a half. By... By... Twelve? It's 100 and... 20 inches something so like 10 that, right? 130 so it's 10. really long yeah just basically 10 10 feet so if just it's over 10 feet and actually. you're saying about 800 it's going to be more than that the jumbo is going to be probably 900 pounds or something like that so 900 yeah. pounds divided by 50 
you have 50 square feet in there, right? Is that correct? Is that the math? If you go yes, that's right. Five yeah. and a half yeah. by, I'm yeah. just trying to figure out some. It's a little bit more than that, but yeah, it's probably about 55 square feet per jumbo. Okay, so then if it's, let's just say argument's sake, 1,000 pounds divided by 55. What the hell? Uh, divided by 55. 18 pounds per square. Per square foot. That's about right. So you're saying the tile itself is about eight pounds for two by four yeah. per square. Then you got the thin set material. So you're dealing with 20 pounds per square foot on average. And you're attaching that to paper of drywall. That's right. So why do jokers still do that? They don't know any better. You still come across, unfortunately, so many people uh, in this industry, the, the famous line is, I've been doing this now for 25 years or 30 years this way. And it's always worked. Yeah. And I've never, uh, no one's ever told me otherwise. Right? So this person has been taught a certain way. And unfortunately, it didn't go, this didn't start at the right foot. So then they continue going down the wrong path, right? Leaving a trail behind, keeping us busy and other trades busy because it's only going to last so long until it fails. Right. Do, you, do you tell them that they've been doing this wrong for 25 years? Oh, yeah, and they, they freak they out. Flip. Well, especially like myself, like when I first started, um, you know, young kid at 20s, just over 20 years old, right, and telling this 55-year-old drywaller, and I'm like, what you're doing is wrong. And he looks at me like, what do you know? When I've been it, doing this for 35 he, years. He's installing drywall inside the wet area? Yeah, installing, you know, he, like, for example, before, uh, you know, sh uh, Schluter, Laticrete, the sheet membrane system, uh, it was a lot of the, the plumber's membrane, right? So they would wrap, they would use two by fours and then they would wrap up the walls, right? And then they would wrap over the curb. Yep. So the guy would, would put his drywall and screw it in through the curb and then screw it in through the inside, right? And I'm like, well, now that you've screwed it, you've now punctured all of the waterproofing. You've screwed it. Yeah, exactly. That's what you've done. And... Um, now you've damaged the waterproofing. So what are we supposed to do now? He's like, well, how else am I supposed to stick drywall onto this without it being screwed in? I said, you're not supposed to put drywall on it. He's like, what do you mean? And I said, well, technically, we should, um, we, we would use lath. So you take the lath into the shower pan, and then I would make it uh, like a, kind of like a U shape, right? And then you would staple it to the outside, which doesn't need to, it's fine if you puncture you it on the outside. Because you shaped it. Yeah, so then you shaped yes. it, right? And then you staple it to the outside and kind of holds. And then you would build your dry pack. When you do your dry pack, then you carry it over. And then now you're not puncturing it. Then you would water, you can waterproof, or you just left the mud, right? Because technically the waterproofing was underneath. Still not an ideal situation. Um, the rubber membrane would be underneath? or That's right. The, mem the, okay. the rubber membrane would be underneath. But rubber right? membrane's not allowed in high-rise because of fire issues. Oh, really? Well, that's what I was taught, and especially in New York. That's interesting. because New York, no high-rises are allowed to have any combustible waterproofing membrane. So you can't even use curdy board because it's foam. But I thought it had... Uh, is there a fire retardant I, in it? I think there is. I was told that, you, unless they've changed it recently, because most pans in those high-rises are all the um, metal. I know that uh, like the Laticrete one has a fire... Uh, retardant in it. Their foam? Yeah, trend? their foam. Really? Yes, yeah. Um, Curdy, not 100% sure. Someone had I'm to not go exactly look sure about that. And right. I mean, it's interesting you're bringing all this up. 
Latakrete is what? American or German? No, not German. I think it's originally from Europe, but it, most of it is made in the States okay. where we're getting it well, from. It's the same thing with Schluter. Yeah. It's made in Jersey, right? Or I can't remember. Plat- Plattsford? I can't remember. Oh, Pittsburgh? Is it Pittsburgh? I don't know. Not Pittsburgh. Anyway. Somewhere, somewhere not too far from Queens. All the Schluter reps right now are just rolling their eyes like Simon <laughs> and Pat and everything. Just kiss yeah. my ass, all right? Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know your job or what yeah, you yeah, do. Exactly. And you guys are just, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't care. It doesn't yeah. matter to me. Uh, it's made in America. That's yes. all it is because it's not made there and then shipped here. Yeah, and there's a few things from Schluter that are also made in Canada as well. Which ones? Uh, a lot of the trims. You'll see like some of the PVC trims Who's and stuff like that. trims these days? Right? Um, those who use them. Everybody's mitering. Everybody's contouring. Even years ago, I took a router and I put a radius on limestone and I did that. I didn't want to trim. It didn't work for me. Right. Well, not everybody. I know. But I see a lot of tile guys, including yourself, mitering, you know, and and the art, the fine art of mitering. Yeah. Well, we're not just mitering. We're mitering it like, you know, onto itself, right? Like I had told you, I think last time. So, you know, we have these details where like it's like a... You know, wainscoting or something like that. And we have to uh, finish it. And we don't have like a pencil or a trim or something. So then we, you know, miter it onto itself and then put like a little piece on the top. So that that it's just, you know, this one. You got to do a TikTok video and use that track. eh? Oh, yeah. It's a work of art, 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 you know, that kind of bullshit. (laughs) Uh, Because it is a work. of. That's what I'm saying is who's using trims? Like nobody's using trims. Well, regular folk designers so. don't like trims no i remember like the high-end designers specifically no for sure. going get yeah. rid of that the, i don't want that anywhere near my tile they're well, like freaking out they say like you know i hate kleenex so they say they'll be like you know i hate schluter right yeah and then they're referring to the trim not not right? the waterproof exactly thing. right she's like i hate schluter can we you know can we do something else and it's like well yeah there's there's all kinds of things that we can do but you know what's in the budget what does the client like you know, what, what, uh, what does the designer prefer? We can give them the options and then they can, you know, they pull the trigger, right? What do you prefer? What do I prefer? So each application is a little bit different. So if, if I can, so normally the, the rule of thumb we use is if the trim can look identical to the tile, then we'll use the trim. So that's basically white tile. <laughs> Pretty much. Right. Everything else, no. So generally, like white tile on white trim, we'll use. Aren't they it's now introducing like, color matching trim? Kind of. Yeah, oh, wait, they're trying to go. Is that like something that was told to me that I was told not to say anything about it? I don't know. I think something. Someone. Pat Simon. I don't care. <laughs> well, I don't know. It would be. I guess you could order a custom trim maybe in the future. Um, but the thing is, like, I don't know. That's a lot of work. And then uh, I think most people in this industry. Um, I find them a lot uh, not super organized. So, you know, like, oh, no, um, next week I got to work on this job or three weeks from now and I've got to get, you know, a piece of this tile and then bring it to them and then they have to do a color match sample. Like, who's, you know. Who's going to do that? Who's got time? There will be some, but do I don't that. think that would be. I think the best bet is to actually just make a work of art on site and miter it and make it shape and make it. I, I think the whole idea is as if you took stone, especially if it's natural, yeah, and bend it and shape it and form it to make it look like it belonged for this specific renovation. For sure. That's it. That would be awesome. The more, the more that you add little details like trim or little accents or edging and all kinds of crap and whatever. Remember, remember the good old days when 
a bathroom would have that little toilet paper holder or the soap dish holder and you just cut a hole in the drywall and just put some like a, a tube of caulking and just squeeze it. Yeah. yeah. That's it. You put it in there and then yeah. all, when you demoed it, you took it out and it had a glob on the yes. back of it. And that was the extent of a toilet paper holder and a soap dish holder and all this other crap. And we're way beyond those days now, man. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Way beyond that shit. Way beyond. Well, now we're doing niches. But yeah, so if I have a preference, so again, so it depends on the application. So normally other, I, I can, if you can miter it, if you can match the color, we'll use the trim. So that's basically just white. Right. So <laughs> if it's not white, so if it's in the grays or the creams or whatever, so forget the trim. Because right? gray, gray is difficult, man. It's very difficult. There's like a million grays. Yes. Just like there is a million whites. A so million we even whites. W- sometimes we have to even be careful with the whites. You know, if it's a if it's a cooler white or a warmer white, it won't match the trim. Then right? you got the slab uh-huh. and tile matching and uh Yeah. So then my next my next preferred would be actually what we do is uh, if it's a good painter is uh we get it caulked, the edge, so we have to do a nice, perfect cut, and then it gets caulked and then painted the wall color oh. so that the wall color comes onto the edge, so then it's just kind of like one thing, and then the tile starts. Would you not need to prime or prep? Depending on the material. Okay, all right. Yeah, so normally they would, like if it's a porcelain, I normally recommend, so we, we scuff it up a little bit, and then they'll prime the edge, and then they caulk it, and then they paint it. Now it just becomes a lot of work for the painters. Now the painters tend to not like that option because then it puts it onto them. We still have to prep it for them, so we have to make sure like all of our cuts are perfectly straight and everything like that because you can't have you know a this kind of edge. going on, right? Sometimes it can be factory edge. Sometimes it can't be. But aren't, aren't all the, the porcelain is. tiles factory edge slightly beveled? Uh, yep. Slightly beveled. Yeah, but sometimes it's not like, because like a lot of times where people are wanting to do like certain layouts where like a grout joint goes like straight down the middle, you know, through the plumbing. So then you have, and then it's normally it's like a three foot, you know, standard is like a three foot shower. So then you've got, let's say 12 by 24s. So you're cutting both ends. Got it. So you don't have, you don't even have a factory edge, but then you've got to cut them all both ends. You can't use a cutter because if you cut it, then you've got this jagged edge, right? Sometimes, depending on how well it cuts, you can take that edge and then put it in the inside, and then you give a little bit of like a micro bevel, and or then the you have joint. the yeah, yeah, and then you have the factory on the factory outside. On the side. And then the painter has to come and do his or her magic. Um, then the th- then the third step is to miter it onto itself, right? Which I think is always the nicest, right? I and then if you can, then that would be another option. Those I are basically the three options that you have that we tend to give, and then. And then everything else is like, okay, yeah, if you want us to use a piece of trim. But I find when you use a piece of trim, it just draws too much your attention to that, right? It gets busy. because It like doesn't you, belong. It, because and then it, it, there's too many elements on the wall. Then you've got, you know, you've got your wall color and then you've got this chrome trim and then you've got this gray tile and then you've, you're creating this. So even like when we do transitions, right? Some, some contractors um, will like, oh, I want you to put a piece of Schluter at the doorways, Right. I'm like, but why? There's no, there's, there's, it, it's not necessary. You have your, your glue down hardwood. You've got your tile. Why do you want to stick a piece of metal between them? There's the no, only reason I would no do point. that is if they're not on the same plane. Well, why shouldn't they be? Okay. <laughs> there's a bit of planning, but I, I understand I, what I, you're I understand. saying. So yeah, the, yeah. let's say you're choosing an engineered hardwood for the yeah. exterior part of the, the wet area, yeah. the bathroom area, and yeah. it's, I don't know, half inch or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And now you've got Detra heat and you've got, yeah. 
you're percentile, higher. you're going to be about a quarter inch, maybe even three eighths higher. So then that's why you put the metal edge because little Timmy's going to stub his toe, crack a toe off and break the yeah, toe. Yeah. So what we do, we still don't use a metal edge. What would you do? So what we do, I can show you a picture after. So what we'll do is. We got video now the, so I can see it and oh, other really? people can okay. see it too. So the, uh, <laughs> so the, uh, where the transition is, right? So For let's the wood. say. No, no, where the transition starts between, so you've got your door frame. Yes. Normally it's about three and a half inches, yes. roughly four inches. Now for, for the blind clients out there, where's that transition line supposed to be? Where's that transition line? Line. So it where does the tile start and stop and where does the wood start and stop? It should always be half check under the door. Correct. So that when the door is closed, correct, you don't see tile correct. from the outside, and when you're in the bathroom, you don't see your wood popping through, right? Exactly. Um, and don't put it in the smack in the middle of the door jam because that's not where your door is. Exactly. All right. So you, you have to see which the door swings. So if normally bathrooms, the door swings in, and so if you don't have your door frame in place, I always tell the guys, um, just imagine. That it's got a, a half inch of drywall uh, on the framing, and then you want to go three quarter inch back from that. So basically, you're a quarter inch in from the framing, um, the door frame. Now, that's normal if it's like inch and a half thick doors. Now, some jobs are like inch and three quarter. Yeah, so then you want to kind of move that a little bit. So you want to do like three eighths well, three, or something. Yeah, nice. three quarters is, is pretty good actually, but it, it's nice to have a professional sharing that little piece of information for. Yeah, and then All if the, the door is swinging out, then you got to be on the other side of the frame and make sure you, you're a quarter inch in from, from the frame. Now, you have to do a, do a bit of a judgment call because sometimes the, um, the, uh, the plate could be not quite in line with the two-by-four yep. that's coming up from it. So you have to make a bit of a judgment call yeah. on where that quarter inch is going to sit. But that tends to be kind of like a pretty good rule of thumb that you should fall underneath the door half check if you're like a quarter inch in from the framing. Do you think designers think about any of this stuff or they leave it onto you? I would say 99.9999998% leave it up to us. To you guys to figure all that shite out. Yes. All those little details and stuff like that. Um, but those are important details. They're, no, they're all grouped in the same family. Like placement of tile, balancing, grout lines where they're going to be, position of transitions. Yep. Uh, I don't know, niches, where niches are going to be. You don't want to put them in a weird spot or whatever. Yep. Like that's all part of your wheelhouse, right? But I, I don't like that they just leave it to you to figure it out and they don't give any thought about it. Not that they haven't given thought about it. It's I, I don't know. I give them a little bit of credit because I guess if you look at it as like an overall job, like if you were to see, like if, if the designer was to oversee the whole job from exterior to interior with several little details that they want with, you know, fascia this and, you know, entry that and crown molding like this and trim like that. There's a lot of tiny little details that sometimes gets missed because they have all of these different details. Now, that's kind of part of their job, but they definitely lead to the, the professionals to give them the options in when it comes to, okay, we're going to do this. So there'll be like mock-ups that get made, right? This is what this is going to look like. And then they go, oh, that's not right. But that's the way you drew it. Mm, I don't like that. How about if we do it like this? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's better. Right. So, you know, a lot of people are visual, I find, with clients, designers. So not until they see it. On site? 
Yeah, sometimes even on site. I know, but the designers right? always come up with these beautiful drawings, drawings, books. And what I love is that they'll have pattern layouts, so to speak, mm-hmm. for tile installations, mosaic, whatever, borders, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But there's no notations and all these little details that you're still talking about that you're oh, still... Oh, the notation sp- is to be confirmed by design, designer on site with... But they never, they never confirm it. They never, so they show up on the job site and they just overlook it. Basically. Leave it to you. So like they, they, no, no, but they'll, they'll draw it out. But then the notations is like, don't follow these drawings. (laughs) (laughs) I think it should be like architect. It should be a circle in that little arrow. Yeah. And it should say, here's the number for it. And then go to the back. And this is the detail. So the problem with tile in particularly, there's a lot of misled information. So I've had a project, and I've only had one project where it was a modular home built outside, like an, in a warehouse, where the architect built everything around the finishing. So, for example, the tile was exactly two inches by 10 inches. So the window that was in the bathroom was exactly, let's say, oh, that's 18, smart. 18 tiles high yeah. and six tiles, you know, four tiles wide, right? And then included the grout joints and everything like that. So all of the windows, everything was based around the the finishings of, and then that was like cabinets. So they make sure that the tile that came around and then the cabinet size was a specific size so that the full tile would ran through the top that would go and then and then right right through the bottom. That's smart. Like everything, you know, where the top would lay, you know, how tall the tub was so that when the tile would then wrap around the vanity through to the other wall, that the tile would it, be perfectly full yeah. tile above the tub. And then the ceiling height would be that it would land another full tile at the top. So everything was like surrounded by the finishing, right? So it was, everything was built. So it found what, what they were going to use. And then they built everything around that, right? To get it to be like so everything why perfect. isn't every architect doing that? I don't know. You might have to ask them. I, I don't know. I think I one mean, of I the things that. it would be I a lot. It would be a lot of work. Of course, it's a lot of work. Right. So, but it's a lot of work for you as a trade. Yeah. Oh, well, no, not really. To to plan to line up to do all that stuff. To well, if they've ready. already done the. No, no. I'm saying if they haven't done it, so now you. Oh yes, no, for you sure. You do it from then, scratch, and now. then then it becomes. Yeah, but if our, anything, if it's if it's not the architect, I think it should fall off the, on the designer. Hmm. They should do it and give you that book that's pretty that they've sold to the client. Also, the details. Where I, do we I, start? I, I think there's a little bit, uh, I feel the sense of insecurity. It's kind of like, here's what we drew, but we're not exactly sure if this is actually going to work. So <laughs> you let us know when, when you're going to start so we can go over it together and make sure that it's going to work. And if it's not, then we can figure it out and find something that, that will work. That normally happens? All the time. That meeting, I mean, does that eventually show up? That meeting, they have that discussion. Oh yeah, yeah. But, okay. All so right. it's other on the phone. You know, some designers are some. Some are very comfortable in their own skin, so they're they're very experienced. So I could go and be like, okay, I'm I'm here at the job site. You know, this layout doesn't work, and it's because of this, 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 this. Um, we have a couple options here. We can do this, this, this. Okay, send me a picture. Boom, send them a picture. Talk on the phone. Okay, so what happened if we do this and offset that? And I say, okay, yeah, that'll give you. And like, okay, what's the cut behind the tub? Okay, it'll be three inches. And what about the vanity? It'll be full tile. Okay, yeah, I like that idea. Boom, go for it. Well, some designers, like they have to be there. They have to see it. 
where other ones, they can visualize it and they can talk to you over the phone with it. And now with the technology, sometimes you can do like a video call or something like that, right? I think they should always be there. If you're there. Ideally. Material's there. The room's there. To to me, it doesn't matter. As long as they can sign off on it and, and... yeah, there's not a whole lot of signing off. No, but, but I mean, they, they like, should. There like, should be like some kind of construction's collective, right? So why not the whole team be there to discuss an objective? I think that would be in an ideal world, but I don't think we really live in it. And I think the reason is because everybody's so busy running, right? So maybe I would, you know, I'm a little bit generalizing, but you know, taking more than you can chew. So then this designer or this design firm has thirty projects on the go. And just imagine so every other you. day um, they would have to go to site to do this. And you know what I mean? Like, and then they, a, lo- a lot of these designers are other cost plus, or they have, you know, the project, you know, do a new build. It's five, you know, 50 grand, hundred grand, whatever it is for their, for their fee. And then they only, they allocate like X amount of like site hours and they don't want to like go past that so that it doesn't, you know, I know. So they're, ex- pa- succeed. they're so there, there is this, the buck to you. And we don't have site hours. We don't have additional hours. Like, oh. This is my argument. Yeah. I've always argued about architects charge, engineers charge, designers charge. The for contractors. Site visits. Contractors never charge. Nope. Nope. Never allowed to and, charge. And, and on top of that, when there's kind of some kind of deficiency that is completely not your fault, right? We, we did a deficiency last week, and the, 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 the PM, he just wouldn't answer the question. Trudeau was on the site. <laughs> the project manager. No. Why wouldn't he answer the question? I don't know because he he knew what I was trying to get at, and 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 the question was very simple. So it was a very large house, and they did an addi- they did an addition to the kitchen. So they added to the kitchen, and then there was a transition between the the old house and then the addition. Right. So we had one of the tiles start lifting, which I found was strange. I had a picture of it was just a close-up. On the up. old side or the new side? Well, it was uh, probably right on that transition. So my question was, uh, and like all I had was this picture of like this thing that was like, uh, I don't know, like a hard 16th above the other, but it was just this one corner. And then the first thing from I remember, we did the project about three or four years ago. And the first thing I remembered, I said, uh, that's the transition. If, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, that's the transition between the two the two buildings, right? So I said, that's very interesting. That shouldn't be like that. Is it the transition between the two, between the new and old? You know, all you could hear is crickets. Because mm. we know the answer. Can you just go and fix it? Yeah, I can do that. But can you answer the question? Is it the transition between the two, that you know, the new and old? Okay. <laughs> Fine enough. I'll go there and we'll fix it, right? So sure enough, I go there and it's exactly where the transition is, right? So, you and then, I, it? and then, yeah, we fixed it. And then I, and then I just, I was like curious. I'm like, well, yeah, I, I see that it was the transition between, you know, the new and old. I said, what did you guys do to, you know, put them two together? And he said, uh, super glue and bubble gum. They didn't mechanically fasten the, t- like the new. I, I'm not sure, but all his answer was uh, super glue and bubble gum. I said, that was his legitimate answer. Well, I guess he was trying to be funny. Whoa. I'm like, and I was like, well, really? Well, that's too bad. Well, next time you should use hubba bubba because that's going to be a little bit better and a little <laughs> bit more flexibility in that, in that. Uh, and then he's like, oh yeah, wait, we used some duct tape too. And I said, well, maybe you should use tuck tape. It's a little bit stronger. And then, yeah, he never gave me a straight answer. 
He just never gave me. Does a he not realize like, like okay, old house settled, it's completely stable. New house, brand new wood, plenty of moisture in it. Yeah, two planes are going to move. And the other thing is too. So we went to fix it, but what's happening too is since they are two separate, it's bending a little no, bit. Oh, is it really? Doing oh yeah. That? It's, it's bent a little bit, right? So then when we put the tile back in, even though we took out all the thin set and stuff, You're the two corners are just up, just a, you know, a, a, a large hair on either end. So like if you, if you make, if you, no, it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, if you push too much on one side, then it'll be like almost an eighth on the other. The and other then if side. you push them on the other side, it'll be too much. So we had to like split the difference. But what's happened is it's been settling, and then the the floor is kind of going with it a little bit, right? So the porcelain tile is actually taking shape of yeah, it's, it it will take a shape. But what what happened was that one uh, it only took shape so much until it went, and it was always oh, just it was just the corner. It's very strange. I hadn't seen that before. It was just the corner. What was the substrate on that? I'm curious. It was concrete. So oh, so right on concrete. Yeah, so it was plywood, and then it would have been one and a half inch or two inches of concrete. Oh, so like a topping? Uh, uh, topping, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Self-leveling kind of thing. Uh, no, it would have been concrete. Really? Yeah? That would have been self-leveling. And then and then we put, uh, I think we either put, it was the Stratomat from Laticrete, um, or it was the, the Deidre over the top of the whole thing, and then we installed our tile. So, um, and then I think, I'm pretty sure we also ran uh, in-floor heat. So there would have been the, the topping, uh, wires, leveler, and then the Deidre on top of all that. This guy. So a little bit of history, right. Larry. You ready for this? Maybe. <laughs> Am I being graded? No, there's no grades. Oh, okay. everybody so gets totally a everybody gets a trophy. Oh, everybody okay. gets a trophy. Okay? Oh gosh, <laughs> that's what's wrong with these days. I know, I know. You'll never see Manny look up into the sky, and there'll be a spaceship coming at us. Okay, the earliest evidence of the use of glazed bricks is <laughs> was found in Elamite Elamite Temple of Chaga Zanbil, is that right? Yeah, Chaga Zanbil, dating back to 1300 BC. Glazed mm. bricks. Glazed bricks. Must have been a few Portuguese there at the time. Glazed and colored bricks were used to make low reliefs in ancient Mesopotamia. What? Yeah, most notably in the Ishtar Gate of Babylon. 575 BC. Wow. Can't even phantom these times in history. Early uses of tiling for decorative flooring has been found in the ancient remains of Calabanga. Banga? Yeah. Everyone's going to just write, send your letters to Manny. I won't read them. India and uh, Balakot. Mm-hmm. Balakot. And Pakistan. Yeah, in Asia. Yeah. Smooth and polished stone was used for flooring and swimming pools uh, by the Sahelis. I'm so glad I, like you you gave me like my version of how you pronounce this because I don't I'm butchering this. Kings of ancient Sri Lanka in the second century, these uses show fine workmanship and close fitting tiles, which are evidence of remarkable advanced techniques and tools. It's amazing they can't even do that shit today. I know. I was you know just about to say that I think um, we we're starting to get we're like on the down. We're trying Laziness? to make things of it. It's being smart. I think we're Got just it. because the, the the power of technology. We don't really have to research and we don't have to invent. We don't have to. It's like oh, I don't know how to fix this. I'm gonna look on YouTube. Thought right? process. And then there's no thought process like the mechanics and like you know um, you know uh, a good old friend uh, from from Cambridge. Uh, I found out uh, you know forty some odd years old. He passed away. He OD'd. 
Uh, it was an old friend. Yeah, not even 47. 40, he would have been, yeah, probably 45-ish. Wow. Uh, it was a good old uh, uh, friend of the family's. That was uh, my cousin. Um, he was such a nice guy. But he was, he was very smart. And I think that's what kind of got him into trouble a little bit. Um, you know, he got into some heavy drinking and stuff like that. But, like, the kid was 12 years old. They had, um, he wasn't drinking then, by the way. Um, but you can see, like, how special he was. Like, at 12 years old, he took a, uh, an old uh, Volkswagen Rabbit that had just been in a terrible accident. Okay. And he was able to get it going again. And then he went for a joyride with my cousins. <laughs> driving this like rabbit that wasn't working and then he got it working and then he uh he built like his own go-kart so he grabbed like an old um an old lawnmower that wasn't working he welded and built the frame and stuff he put the put the lawnmower engine on it and uh, next thing you know supposedly there used to be an old gravel road because they live on the farm they used to live on a farm and he'd be ripping down the ripping down the hill he'd come in into their driveway and you know, doing donuts, and, you know, they would come out, like, what's happening? He's like, yeah, woo, and they're like, what, what's this? He's like, oh, I just made a go-kart, and he was going around, and he was really smart. He could take stuff and build things with it, right? Um, he did stonework. He did he did rock walls. He could do brick. He could do masonry. He could uh, do patios, and, like, he was very talented, um, and, but he had a vice. He he, you know, it, it, uh, as he grew older, right, and then his late teens, he kind of started drinking a little bit, and then when he was legal, you know, it was almost every day, and then it kind of went into this cycle, and then he was kind of, like, working to keep up to his vice. So, like, he was a type of guy that you could never pay him before the job was done. Because he'd be just consuming it. And then he would consume, unfortunately, and then it consumed his life. He just slowly got worse and worse and worse within the last two years. Why did he turn so to I, drinking? I'm not sure. But it was like it wasn't like okay, have a beer after work. It was like no, it was you know, drinking, it drinking. was like you know, drink until you can barely walk straight. Right? It's it's very uh, it's very unfortunate. But I you know I hear these stories so much in this industry with these people, you know, that have these 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 addiction problems and they're they're so smart you know i mean they they have all this potential but it just gets blown away they're thinkers right they are and i think that's problem a little bit of a problem with their vice because they're, they're thinking they're overthinking they're they're constantly thinking it's almost like they want to like numb that down and be a, away from from that for you know to be able to kind of break away from from their from their thoughts, and then they get into this kind of bad cycle, right? And you know, sometimes um, when I, I try to have some conversations with some of these guys that, like, you know, they're they're young guys and they're you know asking for money on the street, and I said, like, what what, what are you good? What are you good at? What do you do? You know, he's like, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a I'm a I'm a carpenter and you know, I'm a really good framer actually, but you know, I'm just I'm in between jobs right now and it's and it's really tough and. Um, I'm just trying to hang in there, right? And but you can tell, like their hands are swollen, you know. So they've been, you know, probably bad drinking problem yeah. and stuff like that. You know, generally the the swollen hands are purple and stuff like that. And you can tell that they, you know, they want to kind of get out of this, but they're in this hole, right? And only if there was some kind of 
like I know the government tries to do it like by, you know, giving them food, you know, try to give them some shelter and stuff like that. But I think if we can to come up with a, a support, right, something that people can come, they can talk, right, get some hugs going on, get some deep thoughts going on, like, you I, know, and, and showing that like you care. And like, like, but the majority and then, of people and like step by step, ba like baby steps, like these, this is the type type of thing that the, these people need to be able to get out of that, that destruction mode and to be a good tradesman, to be a good person, to, to be part of this, you know, blood sucking society. Hmm. Um, but in a good way, right. Um, so that, you know, this, this gal or this guy can, can be um, really doing wonderful things, right? Like a lot of these people have, you know, they're artists. Like they're really good at what they do. The sad thing is that the majority of people do not really care about helping. Everybody is stuck in their own little world, man. Everybody is stuck in their, their rat race, mm. right? So why, why do I want to help? this person or that person or whatever right i don't that's the majority of people i see what you're saying trust me there's so many people that probably would do so much better in in our industry or any industry but i think that the the mostly people don't want to they think they're helping mm -hmm. putting a like on something doesn't mean that you're fucking helping at all right no. so and i know you're you're from out west so everyone who hasn't heard the other shows be with you before and it's a huge problem out there you know what i mean it's a massive problem out there yeah, downtown Eastside, Vancouver. It's bad, it man. Really like, really, bad. really like bad. When I first went there, uh, Vancouver moved in uh, the Winter Olympics 2010. Um, you know, you'd see people around, but now it's like a, it's like a mini city. Yeah. Like, it's crowded. Like, it's huge. Like, thousands of people on the street. Not hundreds, <sighs> thousands. You know, it used to be maybe a hundred, couple hundred, you know what I mean? The street would have, you know, odds and sods, but like the main drag on and uh, um, uh, East Hastings, there's thousands of people, thousands. I just, uh, I always said, and there's like a term that I've always come up with recently that I was just looking at things and I'm just, I, I talk to politicians or whatever and you just, I, I wish they would just first fix the country instead of trying to look good on a global scale, uh, uh, global stage. Mm. And uh, um, that's the unfortunate thing. Like, I mean, when you start hearing news or reading news about 54 million being spent on Arrive Can app, like that's $54 million that could, could have went to so many other things instead of that stupid fucking app that served no that purpose other than a political agenda. And collecting information. Yeah, that's, it was just all garbage, right? So it's just like first fix the country. Like there's a lot of problems in this country. Every country yeah. has their problems. Yeah, of course. So, but first fix the country. Yeah. Right. Don't be trying to figure out that you're going to be the best looking person on a global stage. Yeah. I don't even know how we got the fuck on that, that whole thing. But I, I want to bring up another point that you sent to me and I didn't comment, but you commented on that post there from good old Canada's most trusted contractor. <laughs> I, I won't say his fucking name, but uh, to, to express the fact that uh, the reason grout is cracking is because there's no Schluter. Such a bullshit fucking reason. It's not true. He's full of shit and garbage. And um, it's not. It's exactly how you described it. The reason it's cracking. There's movement between the... Two planes. Exactly. Simple. And not just that. Cause like Simple. The, the, the fiberglass or cast iron, whatever your tub is, meeting up to the tile, it's going to want to 
move at a different rate than your tile does. So generally, if you install tile properly or grout properly, that is not actually moving. So when people go, oh, Larry, this is cracking or this or like, it, you know, it's almost every time is like um, when you do a backsplash, right? So you got Same brand thing. new cabinets, this stone. So it's really heavy stone that sits on there. You put your backsplash on, you tile it, you grout it, you caulk it. Then you're back there a year later because now there's like a 16th gap. And they're like, oh, your grout cracked. It's like, no, 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 the grout didn't crack. So if you look at it, if you, if you really want to break it down, you can see that it's separated, not because of the tile moving. It's, it's separated because of all the weight. Everything's settled because, you know, the cabinets would, so it'll, you know, it'll compress a little bit. And then you've got these hundreds of pounds, you know, between, you know, this the farmhouse sink and the quartz that's, you know, inch and a quarter thick. And it's, it's pushing down on everything, right? It's gravity doing its job. And then you've got this, like, 16th gap, like, right across. And they go, oh, your grout cracked. No, 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 no. You should have used Schluter. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, as good as Schluter is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's it's not... Mis, it's misinformation. It's mis that's misinformation sure. in that scenario, yeah. and it's total horseshit, and yeah, it shouldn't be, be expressed. And, and that's the crappy thing is that you get homeowners or you get other tradespeople, they think that's gospel. Yeah, and, and it's not. And he's not a preacher. I'm sorry, but no. it's just not, right? So he's just reading cue cards, and that's it, and it's bullshit. Yeah. So you got to really understand it. There's a reason why every, as far as I know, every company that produces grout produces a matching silicone version of it for that purpose. Most of them, yep. So you can use a flexible material Correct. in that plane because you have, um, I guess, a perpendicular or some two different planes, it. and you're moving. That's yep. all it is. Yep. And you've got flexibility in that silicone yep. uh color match and you won't see a gap and surprise surprise i didn't use schluter behind that but i would have used schluter behind that but i'm not relying on schluter for that purpose. particular purpose that yeah, detail right sure. and these are little things that we pay attention to and you you've done this several times with tubs okay. you fill it up with water when you're securing yeah. the tub right so you're 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 putting what you think is going to be the most the amount weight. of weight exactly so and and you may not you think don't. the tub is moving but it is moving when you put all that weight in there water right. has weight yeah right so it's like you need to add that weight install that tub make sure it's fully secure underneath it has whatever the foam or the concrete or whatever you're gluing it properly yep. with portuguese luck there on the feet or something like all that crap it has to be in the right position and then apply your tile on the walls and then leave that gap and make sure that gap is clean so then you can run the Yeah, and an ideal world even too is when you go to caulk, that's actually full of, you bring your rubber oh, booties, yeah. your swimming shorts, yeah. and it's full of water when you go to caulk it. So it's at its, at its lowest point, essentially. What will happen generally is when you, when, you, when you drain the water, it'll kind of have like a little bit of like a mini bulge. Yep. So then when it goes to stretch again, it goes yep. flat. And then when it empties out, and you get a little mini bulge. So all you new trades that are doing this for the first or second time, show up with full swimming trunks, no banana hammocks. All right? Make sure it's like proper. And bring your wings, uh, just in <laughs> case you don't know how to swim. <laughs> but I just, I thought it was funny that he did that post, and I was like, this is the definition of being a joker. I'm just sorry. But you've got a large voice, a large platform, and you're giving them wrong information. I laughed so hard when I was watching that. I'm sure you weren't the only one, right? <laughs> but it's just like, this is bullshit. So the, and that's what I keep on asking. I, all I'm asking for is a fair representation of the construction industry. Yeah, you just got to be careful what you're saying because you don't want to be misleading people, right? So 
giving them misinformation, right? Because yeah. then, depending on who you are, they'll take it to heart and be like, okay, this is this is the Bible. Like the, this is they this question, is the way I should go. They question you right when the, you get there to quote a job or do a job. They question you. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So like, they just have to be careful what what they're saying or what their terminology is. And it could have been easily like, you know, it could be like, this is what we think. Um, but it would be good to, to make sure that you conduct um, or ask your, your local contractor on how he or she would proceed in this type of application. But this is how I do it or whatever it is. Just make it more specific because if that's, because like everyone has their own like kind of like little way of doing it, right? Um, we do. Um, and sometimes like within the, 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 the business, we have our own little way of doing things. And I tell guys like, um, this is how I do it. And if you do it another way, I don't mind as long as the outcome is the same. Exactly. Right. You know what I mean? If you want to, if you want to scratch your ear, you want to use your right hand and scratch your left, right? Like it's up to you. The outcome's the same. The outcome is the same. No, I agree with you. I agree. So, but what I get nervous about is the younger generation actually taking this to heart. Yes. And so then, that's like what, you that's said at the beginning of the show where they've been doing it wrong for 25 years and they've been doing it that long. I don't want these kids to start off wrong. Well, that's what the problem with the YouTubes and stuff like that, right? Because then they think this is the Bible. Okay, well, I need to learn how to tile, you know, 101. I'll go online. Oh, this guy, Billy Jean, is is doing some videos. And, oh, he seems to know what he's doing because he, you know, sounds like a great radio voice. <laughs> and he knows everything. And you take the trial. And you do sounds this, legit. And, you know, it's so legit. <laughs> Follow me. Subscribe. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just, the information I gave you was just horseshit. That's yeah. all it was, right? Make but, sure you clink on the yeah. sponsors. So that's oh. enough of that. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> Are all the brands not good? Like they're all good. There's, you can't say that Latticree is better than Schluter. Schluter's been Latticree. Like they're all pay. Every they're all creating good products. I look at it like uh, the different trades. So everyone has their pros and cons, right? So um, we're not married to anyone in particularly. So we use different products for different applications, which um, which one might excel more than others right so sometimes um it's even in their marketing right so a client or a designer will ask for something in particularly because of the way that company marketed and then so yeah. they've got it that route right so it's like well we don't have a way to defer them to use something else because well it's already sold right so there's the marketing there's the the functionality there's the cost there's so many different things um there's no right or wrong necessarily, but you just got to make sure that whatever you're doing, you know, it's, you know, tested the teletime. So like we, when we do projects, um, we always try to think in long run because we always want the least amount of deficiencies at the end of every project. And in two years in five years in 10 years, right? Um, very rarely do we get called back. Um, and normally it's like something small, like grout had cracked or something like that, like that tile, like I told yeah. you, but it's, it's like 99% of the time it's because the house has shifted, it's moved, it's settled, it's done something. There's nothing wrong with what we have done. It's just the, the natural elements of, and the occurrence of what's happened that, uh, so that's why like, Sometimes with clients, like, 
you know, some people, you know, it's a one-year warranty or two-year or, you know, or the minute they walk away, like the warranty's over. Um, we, we, we tend to warranty, like, especially for the people that we do a lot of work for, uh, contractors or clients like that, like, it's pretty much for life, you know what I mean? Like, give or take, uh, unless it's something that, like, they did, you know, dropped a anvil on their tile that's floor different. and they broke that's it, right? So use or whatever, Yeah, I'd be like, right? oh, no, it was like that. It's like, yeah. I can tell it's an impact, right? Like, yeah. I'm... No, rocket science, but like <laughs> I can tell a bottle of wine has now hit this because there's, you know, red stain all over the grout over here. Yeah. Right. Okay. But it's very interesting in how we come across all of these things. Like, you know, just last week, um, the uh, I was uh, I was brought in to a job that was done almost seven or eight years ago. Okay. Your job? No. No. Okay. It was actually uh, a job that was done by another contractor. So this job done by this other contractor, um, they they did uh, this beautiful. It's a big kitchen. Um, they did this beautiful kitchen with uh, with limestone, twelve by twenty four offset. They ran the in floor heat everywhere throughout the kitchen, and the clients told me like, okay, since day one, only part of the floor worked in terms of like the it, the, it, heat. the heat, right? Okay. And then the other part wasn't working. I'm like, well, that's very interesting. Um, two separate lines well I, I said i'm going through the process i said well it's other if it was one line it's other it's all working or nothing's working yeah. right so the the fact that one part was working and the other part was working was okay there was two lines used right to make up all this all of the uh all of the area so i'm like okay there's two kits so that's number one then i opened up the Thermostat. So this is after the new heat special that has been there, and then the electrician and the contractor that uh, that had been there already. Okay, I'm no getting very interested out. here. I'm curious. Yeah, nobody this. could figure out what's wrong. Okay. So my next step is okay. Well, you know, it might sound stupid, but are they actually both like connected? So I went to the thermostat, and I because the thermostat was in a bit of an awkward place, just the way it was set out. So I opened up the thermostat and I can see the, the, the 240 coming in and then there was another hard line going out. And I said, okay, well, it's not actually attached. I don't actually see the actual leads from the, from the kits coming to the thermostat. So what does that mean? There's a junction box somewhere or a relay, right? So I pull out the cabinet. I look, there's a junction box, but then it looks like it leads to the, the crawl space. I said, is there a crawl space? He says, yeah. So I go into the crawl space. I get there. I find the junction box. I could see the wires coming in, the, the leads coming into the box. I open up the box and I look, I'm going through the wires. I see the relay and, you know, I'm fishing through the wires. I see, you know, two of the leads hooked up and okay. And I'm fine, trying to find the other lead and I managed to find the other lead. And then I grab the other two of the lead and I look at it and the two wires are right here. <laughs> I'm like, hmm. <laughs> well, if they attached it, it might be, work. be working. It might be working. So this is after these three guys couldn't figure out why it wasn't working. So I go and attached it, you know, close up the box. Okay, turn on the, you know, put the power back on. I throw the thermostat back on. And then obviously it starts calling for heat. And I said, let me know if it's working after, right? We cranked up the heat, you know, let me know today. And then obviously I didn't hear from them. Everything it was takes working. a while. Everything, so, every, so, it, it doesn't take that long, but like, you know, I didn't hear back from them and, you know, everything is back working. But so the electrician forgot to connect one of the leads. So there's two lines. Yeah. And then he never hooked up one of them. And the, and the three <coughs> of them went there to go and take a look at it. 
and they couldn't figure out. They just assumed. Why. They just figured everything's brought to the box. So if well, everyone was pointing at other people. The contractor pointed at the electrician and said, "You did something. You know, you did something wrong." And the electrician pointed the con- you know tile contractor and you probably damaged something. And then the new heat guy comes in and goes. Well, thermostat works. Everything's good on our side. Okay, see you later, right? So, like the 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 product itself is there and it's working. Um, why it's working is not his problem, I guess. And then he he let he leaves, and then I was brought in to see if I can diagnose it and get this thing working. I remember the very first time I ever did heated floor with cable, electric cable, and how sensitive. I was walking around it or on it or trowling over it or whatever. Like you're cautious, like eggshells. Mm-hmm. Those cables are fucking tough, man. Like I'm they are s- now. They are. They're stronger. It's different sheathing. At first, they were. You know, it's coated. The th- the coating is thicker. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's pretty durable, tough. And yes. It can take up a lot of pain, right? It can. So I mean, it's it just. Um, it's funny that the sales and everyone's just pointing in that situation there. Huh? Yeah, but that's construction. Nobody wants to admit. Everybody wants to point. Right. <sighs> it's it's so much more honorable to be like, look, I let's figure up. it out. Yeah, or just I I'm not sure, or be honest, you know, I I messed up. Um, I need help. You know, let me know what I can do. But I I've gone as far as I can. Whatever it is, you know, just own up to it. Especially when you make a mistake. Like it's just so much. It's so much more honorable to just be like, look, I, I, I messed up or I think I messed up. Um, you know, let me know what I need to do to pay or get somebody Simple here to that, figure it out. Like, That's going to go a lot instead, further. Instead of like pointing, oh, it wasn't me. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. It's just the honesty thing sometimes goes out the window. And I think it would be so much better to be honest and be based on that. And even if you're going to lose money or lose money on the whole project because of the honesty, I would you'll rather get, pick the honesty. more work. I would pick the honesty because yeah. in the end, the client will see that or the contractor will see that. I mean, like, look, these guys followed through even though they messed up. That they wasn't even your job. Through. No, of course not. So you were just asked to go there to figure it out. Yeah, because they just, just couldn't figure it out. The Columbo of tiling, eh? So you're just like walking right in there and figuring out the crime. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> OBC talk, Larry. Mortar mixing. Mortar mixing. Cementitious material must consist of one part portment. Portland cement and to no more than four. What does they say? Three to five. Three to five. Okay. Of aggregate. Five. Right. Uh, quarter part lime by volume. Yep. Ceramic tile applied to a mortar base must be thoroughly soaked. True or false? Uh, you can. It's definitely better if the tiles are soaked because then the thin set won't. Uh, Evaporate dry, yeah, or dry it won't fast. just dry as fast, and it's more for actually just working time. So when you're working with the ceramic tiles, if you need to shift them over a little bit, when you're you know you're doing a brick pattern, you're kind of a little bit off, or you need to shift it a little bit. If they're soaked, then it gives you a little bit more working time. If they're not soaked, even if you've back buttered them, you go back in five minutes, it's like concrete. Like you're, I like, know, it's just dry. The ceramic is like, so porous. Yeah. Right? So ideally it would be to soak it. Uh, you don't have to have it soaking for hours. You can literally, like what I do is you just take a handful of it in a bucket and you just dip it, yep. dip it yep. just to get some moisture at least. And then you put them up on the wall, um, you know, after you back butter and then you put them up on the wall and you're good. So if the homeowners see oh, one of the tile assistants 
junior guys putting a bunch of tile in a bucket of water. It ain't because he just rolled a big fatty. He's actually knowing what he's doing, right? Or she's doing right now. Well, he could have still rolled a big fatty. He probably (laughs) did do his fatty. He's probably doing it, which is great. (laughs) As long as he smells like oranges instead of weed, it's all good. Mortar shall not be used for application of plastic tile. Plastic tile? Adhesive shall be used instead. Yes, of course. Yeah, I've never seen plastic tile, but I, I, maybe they're referring to a, like a, like an LVT or something, something like a like vinyl. That. Exactly. Or uh, adhesive must be applied to the finished coat or brown coat of plaster, steel troweled to an even surface, or to a gypsum board or even surface masonry. Huh? Brown coat of plaster. What's adhesive. that? I guess when you're applying it to drywall or brown coat base coat. Never heard of that before. Gypsum board. Well, I guess they're saying to apply it to the actual substrate instead of to the tile when it's an uneven masonry surface. Mm. Mm. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. Just a little bit of OBC there. Sounds good. I was going to ask you um, when you were talking earlier, uh, I find you're probably one of the few trades, tile artisans, artists, um, gentlemen um that you've worked with every kind of material whether that's the finished material or also the substrate materials so you've worked with different thin sets different grouts different brands and i find that the younger trades that want to get into tiling they stick to one yeah yeah they totally stick to one and i think that's i think that's a mistake because like you said earlier if you get a job and the jobs will get bigger and bolder and more difficult, you're going to come across architects and designers that are going to be religious. Like I've heard about this in painters where you have to sign a document that you can only use Benjamin Moore. Yeah, or four one ball. Primer all or four a fire yeah, ball. Yeah. Exactly. Or so it's sure the same thing with Thailand, right? Yeah. So if they come in and they go, listen, here's the book, yeah. here's the product. We want Laticrete, we want Schluter, we want Mapay, yeah. and it's only specific those. And if you're that one go-to trade and for the five years of your career of Thailand, what are you going to do? Are you going to go against them or are you going to try to learn? I think it's better that you start experimenting and try and working with other brands. Don't you agree? It would be. So that I think where we've got um, today is because of the experience, right? So yeah. we're, we're trying new things and reps coming out to us. Hey, you know, try this, you know, try a bag of this, try a bag of that. Um, you know, under these circumstances, you know, try to apply this before you do that and so on and so forth. And then over the trial of time, we find out what works and what doesn't. It's, it's unfortunate, but like if there is a way to like, I get phone calls all the time where people are asking me for advice. Um, and like, you know, what should I do in this type of application? Okay. You should use this or you should use this. Um, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do this. Oh, but what about that? Mm. I've never done that before, so I, I can't I, tell you. I, I can't tell you. Yeah, you know what I mean. So you sticking to just one and one only, I think you're you're restricting yourself in getting the best possible results for your job. Knowing what to use for the best possible results from your job is only going to be given to you in two ways: somebody telling you, or you finding out on your own. Yeah. Right, something going wrong. The hard right? way. And, you know, we learned the hard way over the t- Why not over practice? time, right? Practice, um, man. And then now we've kind of like, okay, depending on the applications, you know, prep and so on and so forth, the different materials, you know, there's even tile that is like resin based. Yeah, it's really? like, yeah, decorative 
tiles that's all like made of resin like so, so like a quartz or something like that like not even it's it's actually made of like resin like uh you know how like some um decorative piece of art or something like that it has like it's like a it's like a resin base hmm. so you know we've had tiles that are resin based you know glass ceramic obviously all kinds of stone quartz uh porcelain um sometimes it's a pot like it has like a like a like an acrylic backing, right? Some of these uh, slabs and some of these material have, like they're laminating uh, a piece of stone to an acrylic backing. Yeah. Um, there's also ones that uh, attach it to an aluminum backing. Yeah. Right. So like, so what do you do then? Right. How so do you adhere aluminum exactly. to a substrate and you're using cementitious materials, which it's, are not designed to be absorbed into aluminum because aluminum has exactly. no pores. So you got to figure all that shit out, right? Right. So it's it's a bit of a learning curve, right? But um, unless you find out what works or doesn't work on your own, then you need to ask somebody, right? So, so it's interesting because I think that uh, if you go to the sales reps, and I always tell them, listen, first thing when you want to do, sales reps for the most part are not us. They're not, most of them don't come from the trade. Okay. Most of them don't, right, is what I'm saying. And, and. They would do a huge service to all the up and coming new tile installers if they didn't sell us and actually taught us. Mm -hmm. So just took this product and go, listen, guys, here's a product. Try it out. Install something. It's great for this particular stone application. And then try it out at home or try it out on a smaller job site with a client of yours that you feel comfortable with and get that experience and work with that product. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Instead of having that one lane I only use this. I only use that. I mean, that's why I'm I'm a little nervous about any trades that are only one color tool. You know what I mean? Like they are only die hard. They live with that and that's it. I think in tile installation, installation, you can't do that, man. I think you have to have an open mind and be willing to try other products. And I make think sure so. And, and you have to be, um, I think not just open-minded, but I think you have to be willing to accept or ask for help when you yeah. actually don't know. Yeah. Like don't just don't assume. I. I find that over the years of of being in business, the worst thing ever in any situation is assuming. Mm. Assuming what product to use, assuming that the client's going to like it this way, assuming like the designer's going to want it done this way, and the contractor is going to want you to be at this time, at that time. Assuming. Nine times out of ten, when you assume what happens, then you assume the responsibility of the choice that you make. And when you do that, then you got to own up, right? And then when you assume, sometimes you're lucky. Most times. And you're, and you're, you're lining up. And whew, but most of the times, you assume and... Fingers are pointed at you. Yeah. So give you a quick little example. We had a, a, a new house built, uh, had a, a concrete border made to put a, a tile inlay for the entryway for coming from, from outside. So the client says, okay, the tiles are, and I said, I need to know exactly the size of these tiles so that I can tell the guys framing the, um, uh, forming the, the concrete that they do it perfectly so we can get, you know, three full tiles this way and whatever, how many tiles it was going to be the length, right? Um, but I need to know exactly, like you, you need to tell me to the 16th so that I can calculate it properly and then give these guys accurate measurements, right? Yes. So client doesn't give me accurate measurements. I give them 
the measurements that need to be that they need to do it so that it can be done um what happens is the guys my guys assumed that they want to do the grout joints all the same so we have like a two mil grout joint this way um both uh both parallels right um, both axes but what happens was that since the tile it was supposed to be the client said it was eight inches but it was actually like 15 16 okay. right and over the distance well you lose a 16th over at, you yeah. know and the tiles are only inches wise right so a 16th 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 by the time the fourth tile you're a quarter inch and then so on and so forth so you're like by the time you get to the other end it was like an inch gap right and then they just assumed like okay we'll just do the growth and then then we had this inch gap and i'm like we can't have that well, it's like well we we followed the what you said to keep everything even i said well yeah but the measurements we were given like these this doesn't this doesn't work so we got to take these out and then we got to make the the one joint slightly bigger than the other one so that we can make up that difference of the one sixteenth, yeah and by the time it's all said and done like you won't really tell that you know one joint is slightly bigger than the other but it's going to lo look a lot better than having a massive gap at the end right and so instead of asking me or asking the con uh, the, the 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 pm the boys assumed that no oh, we'll keep this constant the consistent the guys who framed uh, i mean who formed and poured the concrete yeah. did it wrong so that's not my problem it's like okay but that's true, but they're not going to break all this and redo this because of that gap, right? So now that you have assumed that that's what uh, that's what we would like to do, and you didn't ask, well, now you got to own up for it. So now we got to take this out because we should gap it. Oh well, that's not it's not our fault. Yes, it is because you didn't ask when yeah. you did the layout. Then you should have been, hey, Larry or whoever, uh, you know, the PM that's you know at the job said, hey, we we've got a bit of a gap here. Like, well, what do we do? Okay stretch it out okay done right and then now it was taken out redone stretched out you can't even tell um because the tiles are a little bit like handmade so they're not quite the same size anyway so like you can't really tell you know a person like me or you or somebody could probably tell that but like you know it but it looks way better in overall right um then a gap at the very then end then like a one inch gap at the end it yeah. just looks totally unfinished there's probably right? you probably spend more time planning prepping then installing oh yes so prep 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 is number one um if you can prep your job so that your walls are plumb or flat at least depending on what you're doing you know you have to think about like what it is it that you're trying to your end game right and then final well, outcome. when you when you when you think of your end game then you know how you need to start because then when you think of your end game and you start on a good leg, then getting there, it becomes very easy in the contents that you'll be able to maximize the quality because of the prep, yeah. right? You're not just leveling the floor or whatever, and then you're, you know, you're putting tiles down, you've got a border, and you've got accents, and you've got this and that and the other thing, and then now you're like, lifting tiles up and you're adding more thin set and the other one you're taking some off and like you, you you're not going to get the quality and and you're going to spending way more way more time in the end than if you did your prep perfect right flat level whatever it is it you need to do because not not always that you can make things level sometimes you can get away with flat and and 
that's what you need to, with experience, that you need to know what, when to use what, where, right? So, for example, we were talking earlier about that transition. I don't think I, I didn't finish actually saying. So, we instead of using the Schluter, at the doorway where the frame is, we would cut the tile, and then we would slope the tile down slightly. So then you create this nice, nice little a transition little coming in, yeah. right? Instead of so, and then it's a kind of a gradual up. Yes. Right. Um, but I've then you're not before. using any trim. We've actually grinded it down, so it was a thicker tile. It was yeah. almost a three quarter inch thick. Yeah. And so we actually grinded down the face of it just to give you a little bit of a, yeah. a ramp. Or right? I've also done where like you you break it and then you give it like a nice little like eased edge, rounded. A little bone. And then, yeah, yeah, so then it's you know nice. it's a stone, right? So then little Timmy will not stub his toe there and crack exactly, it. Exactly, right? Just walks and in then generally. you don't have that those elements. And I'm just I'm when it comes to um, different materials, I don't like to see in a small space like three materials or more yeah. coming together Wood, trim exactly so i it's tile. it's you, yeah it's this flow you know wood tile wood tile or wood carpet or uh tile carpet yeah. whatever it is i know it's a bit of a pain for the carpet layers to tuck it nicely to the tile they can cheat a little bit when there's a trim there you know what i mean like they don't like doing it but it looks way nicer when you have tile carpet Right, you got an ensuite, and the, and the clients have preferred carpet in their in their ensuite bedroom, um, and then you've got this beautiful transition that's just tile carpet. Right? You don't have a piece of trim between them. There's there's no I agree. there's no I'm necessary. I'm sorry, school. you know, yeah. Schluter. That means one less trim every job. That you know, but like that's 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 my personal. Those those trims are fast you know becoming the a track of tiling. Like, yeah, well, like when done. it comes to like a. Like a spec job, yes. When where these little details are not really necessary, then these trims come very handy because then uh, the tile setter doesn't have to cut perfectly at the door. He can be a little, he can cheat a little bit, and then it gets kind of grouted in, and then the hardwood guy can butt up to that, sh you know, that trim. And if he, he doesn't need to be very good either, he can just caulk that. So they they have a lot more forgiveness when it becomes when you use the trim. Same with uh, going up the walls and stuff like that. If your cut's not perfect, it's fine. The grout will kind of kind of cover it between the trim <coughs> and the tile. And then you don't need to worry about these finer, minor little details where, you know, you're doing a niche and it's going, you know, all trimmed out. Oh where, like, if, if the niche is mitered and stuff, you know, the guy's going to take time. He's got to miter it. He's going to polish it out I don't and, like and get it, it all nice and like clean, right? But, like, when these guys are building these spec homes, like, it's budget, 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 right? I had a guy that asked me. He's like, oh, so, hey, Larry, you know, what, what, what can, you know, the price for, you know, per tub? And, and I'm like, okay, well, we normally price this much. And he's like, man, that's, like, more than double than what I would normally pay, I'm like, well, then go ahead and use the other guys because we're we're not the cookie that you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I'm going to change that trim to, I think the trim today is like the equivalent to stucco over ceilings. Stucco over ceilings. It's designed. Oh, like a. Like it's a, to, it's to, to hide imperfections mm, yeah, in yeah. proper plastic. Yeah, 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 so yeah. when you use a trim, like you just said, you like can. Like popcorn you're, you're, ceilings. Yeah, you're. you're cut could not be perfect and you'll get away with it because you're yep. using a trim yeah exactly it's almost like a little training wheels or something it's like a, it's almost like it's just like a little bit of help that's right when i think that that's why i think they're going to disappear on on custom rentals oh yeah they're going to disappear you, you you won't see trim unless it's sorry unless it's used for a detail 
so like a lot of times like uh, you know this warm brass kind of look is coming back right from like the 90s so you know we'll use the trim <laughs> to do like <laughs> is it really oh yeah it's got to be only uh, out west man not here i'm not seeing oh really that. oh here? we see it all the time yeah the brass it, it's not polished brass but it's like brushed brass like everything's brushed brass <sighs> brushed brass and then we're doing arches Almost sounds like brush ass or something like brush ass. Um, <laughs> so like, it, you know, with these trims and you can do these beautiful like inlays. See, that's different though. So you take the trim that's on different. a floor, you've got like a four that, inch border and then you're putting like the trim around. Then you got like doing the, the same thing with wood. Like that's right? different. Like nobody you know I mean? does like, little rosettes in the corner of wood. Exactly. And different same species. idea. Doing, that's different. That's yeah. not using. But I'm saying that's, that's using yeah. it in a more of a creative form yes. and that's when we would use it more often if someone wanted to go ahead and do that not covering basically like you said so the you know the popcorn ceiling kind of effect you know just cover it up with a you know a piece of trim right couple of questions for you hang on a sec let me get the green yeah. book talk out of the way first of all okay. let me do this right well this is a long one green book talk fire extinguishers fire extinguishers must be provided and easily accessible true or false on job uh, sites. True, yes. All workers who may require to use a, a fire extinguisher must be adequately trained. True or false? That is true. Exactly. At least one fire extinguisher must be provided where flammable liquids or combustible materials are stored, handled, or used. True or false? That would be a true. Where oil-fired or gas-fired equipment is used. It would be true as well. Where welding or open flame operations are done. Then you need two. <laughs> on each story of an enclosed building being constructed or altered unless it's detached semi-detached single family dwelling per 300 meter square floor area unless it is a multi-family dwelling is that true or false i don't each know about the, i don't know about the 300 but uh, i would assume that it would be each it's story every, it's every yeah. story you yeah, have to you have one on one. every single because yeah. you, you don't expect it any has to be accessible to run down the stairs yeah. to get it because that's going to cause possibly a fall trip yeah fire extinguishers must be protected from physical damage or freezing Ideally, yes, would yes. be refilled or replaced immediately after use. Actually, checked, inspected, and yes, they should frequently be or whatever it is every four months, six months, whatever. I remember I emptied about. all. I emptied two fire extinguishers on a job site one time just for uh, some photo opportunities because it created a nice mist. Eh? Nice, that's so cool. And that shit tastes so bad in your mouth. Eh? Mm -hmm. But look good on camera. Inspected for defects or deterioration. Yeah, we talked yep. about that once a month. I thought it was more than that frequently, but okay. Uh, inspection being recorded and it has to be attached to a tag to the fire extinguisher. Now, the question is, how many people actually do that? They don't. That's the problem. <laughs> I, I believe probably in a lot of commercial sites. They do, but they have custom the, rentals? Like, yeah, like like the safety guys, they go around, like they're super, like they're like little Hitler running around, right? And like, you don't have the safety <laughs> shoes, you don't have this. And like, he feels like he's like, you know, he couldn't be a cop. So he's like the safety guy on a job <laughs> site, right? Like, yeah, you got it. No, no, got to check this. And like, he's, you know, he or she is super busy all the time, you know, checking this and checking that and everything for sure on a commercial, because like, um, workers comp and stuff like that would be all over them. Bigger right? problems in the exactly, bigger picture, right? right? But in a commercial, I mean, like in a in a residential, a lot of times you come in, you, you don't even know where the safety. There know, should bag be a stand, is. and there should be a a command center for first there, aid. There should be right. So I mean, that's there should be kind of the good thing about COVID during construction is where we had to have uh, cleaning cleaning station on every floor. They had oh, really? to be accessible. You had to have uh, sanitization. You had to have your paper towels. You had to have a separate sink, which could have been a bucket. It had to right. be on every single floor. Here it had right. to be, right? Which kind of made sense. And it should be on yeah. every single floor. Yeah, so we uh, like the bigger job sites that we were working on uh, during that, that, that whole 
saga, um, there would be a cleaning station before you got into the, bef- yeah, before you went into the, oh wow, into the uh, construction site. So, so the whole hazmat kind of, yeah. So you'd go in, you'd wash your hands and whatever, and wash whatever other parts that you forgot to wash the night before. <laughs> um, and then you would go into the into the job site and some of these bigger job sites that were like three or four levels. Then what they did was keep um, every like one trade was on one floor. Another Separate trade would be main everybody. floor. And then everybody just got separated, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so here, here's my two scenarios that I want to paint. Um, I didn't know you painted. I don't paint. Oh, I, okay. I like painting. It clears my head. Uh, but not Chantilly Lace or Cloud White. Uh, I've heard those pa- paint colors once or twice before. Can you match the tile and the grout to Chantilly Lace? Can you possibly do it? That's oh, not my question. Do anything. I'm sure that can they match prob- the grout color. Latacrete does that. Latacrete matches? Yeah, really? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Custom? Uh, custom colors. How long does it take? Fifteen years? Uh, sixteen and a half, I think. No, so I think okay. uh, it's probably I think two to three weeks. They That's can not turn bad. around. So if you're if you bring them the sample, or actually you don't bring them the sample, you know, I think it's a like a Sherwin Williams color, or I think you can t- give them a Benjamin Moore color. Whatever it is, you can say, hey, can you make me a grout this color? Now it does cost a little bit. I think it's about six hundred bucks. No, um, really that much? Yeah, but. You get it to be exactly. You can get it to be exactly like the tile. So you basically, you take take your tile, you take your 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 paint swatch, you you go over the tile, and then you you take a look and see. Okay, you know, code one two three of Sherwin Williams. It matches the tile perfectly. Then you send that to to Lat. They'll they'll make that custom color for you, and then they'll send it out. Now the pricing, I don't know for sure, but I it's know I've been it. it's it's not cheap. But if you really want to get that perfect match, that's the only way to do it. I kind of right? like that. I mean, if you're spending a lot of money on tile and you want it to look perfect, what's 600 bucks? Yeah. Well, we've, we've also done, like, we have our own little ways to making... Oh, a little concoction? Yeah. A little mix in here, yeah. a little, little powder yeah. there. Yeah, we need a little <laughs> bit more blue. We'll use a little bit more blue grout and this and the other thing. Just with those, you have to be super careful when you're doing that, right? You have to mix the materials. You have to mix enough for the whole batch. Cause yeah, because if you One shot. If you make... <laughs> When you mix it all, you got to make sure that you're going to have enough to finish the job, right? And generally, you'll only mix what you need. And if you need more, you go and grab some more of the dry mix, and then you you know you remix it again. Then and you can make it work. You got to be careful too, because then your water ratio will also change. Will will change, and that could change the bit of the color, the humidity, and like the yeah, other. Then we're getting into so another. Tiles, we're going stone, into like next artisan, level stuff. Chemist. So next is crystal meth, like all <laughs> kinds of shit like that, right? Yeah, no. You're a tile guy, stone guy, large slab guy, custom stuff. Are you a tile kitchen guy or a wood kitchen guy, flooring? Oh, tile. For Kay. sure. Like, is I'm that because of the Portuguese or is that just because? Because so here's the thing. You know that the industry is 99.99.9999999, whatever, wood. Yes, and, the, and I understand that in a design aspect. I don't. I think it's ridiculous. I, I, I think, think the I, kitchen is the second, or no, okay, is a master bath more functional than a kitchen or a kitchen more functional than a master bath? Which one takes more? Well, not everyone showers every day, so I'd say kitchen. Everyone so kitchen every has day. more durability things going on. You drop more shit. You drop utensils. You yeah, drop you're not dropping, fruits, you're not dropping meat. combs and creams exactly. and stuff. And so you get a lot of detergents, but then when you clean the kitchen, you're using a lot of detergents. That's right. That's why I don't want to use wood. And I get it for design 
all open concept. Yeah, they want it to all be the same. Run through the whole thing. Yeah, so when it comes to, like, for example, you know, going to be renovating, hopefully, uh, our place at at some point is uh, tile. And not just because I prefer tile, but tile has its place. And I think in kitchens, there should be, like, a good kitchen that actually is used on a daily basis. They're cooking and cleaning the couple or whatever, a, a large family accidents are going to happen right when you when something falls you generally want it to break and not break your floor much easier to replace a cup from the dollar store than it is to replace the piece of wood that you've dented in your kitchen yeah right and then over time and um i see in clients where they've run the hardwood through it looks great the first six months yeah, and then a year later and then pets, the traffic kids you know I mean? but just the, cooking, the, sheer, the sheer traffic the standing the water, there and the standing and it, you're just going over it over and over so all and the workstations over and over so and over where again. the stove is where sink, the sink is where the and the traffic between the ca- stove the butcher and, block and all that shit and you can see like you can take pictures and like you'll see it's just it's getting Wear and worn tear. I know. it's, it's worn it's and a worn natural and element worn and worn it's, it's like it's gonna get worn i don't care i don't care if it's got fifteen thousand coats of oxide aluminum varnish all kinds of shit and Yep. Like, it, I don't care. It's still going to wear out, man. Yeah, it will. And then it becomes a maintenance thing. So what do you have to do to maintenance? You can maybe, uh, sand, you know, you can do, I think, with the hardwood, you do kind of like a... like a, a No, you can do like a scotch bright kind of thing. So you clean all the grooves. especially really? Yes, yeah, so you do a scotch bright kind of clean. And then um, depending if it's like a lacquered finish or whatever, then you can kind of like reapply and then you can kind of make it look good again, you know, depending on, on, on the... Uh, the type of wood, like an engineered wood, um, that's what I would probably do. You can clean it really well, and then you can add the. Uh, you can talk to the manufacturer, see if you can get the colored match. Um, I would still do you know, stone and still tile. No, I no, would I would for sure. And then the, one of the main reasons, and 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 it's time and tested. So I did a uh, a buddy's house, and because a lot of times we don't get to see clients' homes. In the long run, yeah. afterwards, after we're worn and five torn. years, ten years, yes. unless they've had an issue, or we've, we're going in there and doing more work. Um, you know, they're now doing the master because they've saved some money or whatever, and they're doing their basement or whatever it is. So we don't get to go in there and see what the outcome has become over the time test. You know, it's five years, ten years. So a really good friend of mine, we did his place ten years ago. His kitchen floor is uh, all porcelain. It still looks like it did, but we just finished it a year ago. I don't doubt it. I don't you know, doubt he keeps it. up with the cleaning. Everything's good, right? No broken tiles, no scratches. They've got a dog now for about a year or something. So it's it's getting, you know, now his hardwood that's just beyond the kitchen floor, you can see it's starting to, to, to take on some wear because of the dog, right? The nails, like it, it it's a saw, right? Even though it's hard um, hardwood, uh, it's oak. It'll it'll take it'll it'll take the scratches. You get all these light scratches and stuff like that. Now, of course, every so often you can get in. Uh, you can get someone in there to do a light buff and then you know recoat and it'll look brand new again. But that's a lot of work and it costs money, right? You know, these days it's probably about five bucks a foot to have someone come in and redo all that, right? Well, or yeah. with the tile. The grout. You just got to worry about grout. Yeah, you just got to worry about the grout. But there's, there's and, interesting ways. Then. I mean, CLR or whatever. You could do a mix of vinegar or something like yeah. that and lemon and just, you'll clean that grout. It'll look exactly like the day it was installed. And then even same with the shower that they have that we did. 
That was Still 10 years same, ago. Right? It looks the same. And one of the biggest reasons, and it's a concept that I, I kind of thought of um, many years ago, was uh, we're doing a lot of this in-floor heat because we never liked using mats. Uh, you know, no offense to new heat. I never liked the new heat mats, right? You have to, when it was a custom room, you had to send them the measurements and, you know, things change. Oh, we, you know, we, we decided to put the toilet over here now. And you're like, well, this mat's not going to work. Yeah. Right. Or whatever. Uh, this vent was here and now we had to move it over there. Whatever it is. It, it was annoying. Right. So ever since the wires were um, brought, well, actually the wires was one of the first things before the mats. Um, we've always just used wires. You can go to a job and you can always get it done because, well, you are the commander of the wires. Yeah. So if you're doing a bathroom floor and you've got a wet area, then why don't you take it into the shower? Right. What, and people are like, well, it's going to get warm. I said, yeah, that's, that's true. It, it, initially, you walk into it and it's going to be, it had already taken the chill off of that floor. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like a cushy first world kind of like bonus. But like, you're only adding 15 more square feet, roughly, because a standard shower is about three by five to the kit. So it doesn't take that much more work to, to put it inside the shower. But the benefit is it's strong, huge. like huge, because... When you have that going and you have the shower, right, it's going to collect water and then that heat is going to give off and it's going to dry it off. And then if you have a nice dry shower, then you're never going to have that mildew growing in the corners, right? There's it's a not, lot of and, maintenance stuff that we're and thinking then, about. And then you're, yeah. and then you're, and then in terms of like a, like an investment, um, you know, to the client, it's, you know, let's say a couple hundred bucks, right? Um, and a little bit more electricity, Right. But in the long run, like then you don't have to worry about having to change the silicone once a year sometimes, you know, and I'll tell you a funny little story. And I agree with you about the mats versus wires. Do you remember when new heat was first on market with the mats? Was that okay. They, they pushed hard. They, they first on market. Right. So they were basically yep. pushing it quite hard. Yep. And I remember that there was a little bit of a nice marriage between Schluter and the new heats when it was just Dietra. Like they would at trade shows, they always shared the same booth. It was always a nice little marriage there, right? And then that was cute. It was very, very cute. And then all of a sudden, Until. I think, it was, yeah. Then the year later, all of a sudden, Dietrich Heat is introduced. Hmm. The marriage went south. <laughs> and then I remember having it a got conversation. Heated. It got heated. <laughs> I remember having a conversation with one of the one of the top people at the time with New Heat, and I said to them, "This is a game changer." Like I'm telling you right now, this Dietra heat and this cable thing, this is going to be, and they were using new heats cable in the very first run. I think it was right. So that's the marriage was still a part of that thing. Yes. Then they came up because with because they own had cable. the Dietra heat coupling. Yes. But then they didn't have the wires to go with it. yet. So then and it, I, I saw that all coming. The idea was that I saw but, all the coming. So Schluter was already planning everything going forward. Right. By the way, Stelpro was the ones who made the, the wires for Schluter. At the very beginning? Yeah. Okay. So there's that. That was their marriage. So I remember going up to New Heat and I was saying, guys, listen, your mats are going to be obsolete. I don't care. You're going to see this industry completely change. And I actually said to him, you guys are the beta to VHS back in the 80s. Okay. Mm. Beta died, right? And yeah. VHS survived, and then it just evolved from there, right? Yeah. Laser disc and all this yeah, crap, yeah, yeah, or whatever, yeah. right? So I said to them, do yourself a service. Start selling your mats for vertical surfaces. Mm. 
because now you could adhere that to a vertical surface and put it on there. And he just fucking dismissed me. Eh? He just said, no, oh, no, that makes no sense. No, we don't want to bother with that. No, we're going to compete against the flooring market. Okay, Blockbuster. You know what I mean? And so where's New Heat now? I think they're What's partnering. Blockbuster? Exactly. So ask Netflix. So then <laughs> and Netflix is playing bad too. So, uh, But yeah. then uh, I think Mapei now is playing with New Heat with their MapaGuard. So yes, it's so kind of like, yeah, so give me the beta tape. I'll take care of the beta tape and I'll make it work again. People will want to watch beta again. Yeah, um, so basically uh, Mapei has partnered up with New Heat and New Heat provides them with their wires. So Mapei doesn't make their own wires. They just... It's the exact same. Same scenario, just, the first marriage. Yeah. It's the second marriage just, now. Just that's all it lap, is. They slap their logo But on New it. Heat should put their mats on a vert or sell it as a vertical surface for a shower. Three by five, typical, or even whatever, uh, you know, a six foot tub, five foot tub, and just sell it as three pieces. One on the back wall and the two side walls. And then all your heat is, all your tile surfaces in a shower are right. warm and easy to do it. But they still won't do it. So I don't give a shit. That was an idea. I threw yeah, that idea a long time. When did that first introduce? I mean, Detroit we've, Heat. We've done the we've done the heat on the walls before. Yeah, I know you've done it before, right? And yeah. then I, I think guys want to do it here and they want to try it. But then you're getting ESA saying that we need to get the specs from Schluter. Schluter won't give the specs to the Canadian side of things or Ontario side of things. So then they won't sign off on it, and it's just back and forth, finger pointing crap, right? Yeah. Until we get the specs from the Germans, and we can't give you allowance to do this, right? But people do it. I'm sorry, people. And I will do it, too. And I don't give a shit. Because yeah. I, I think wall surfaces, stone wall surfaces should be heated. I think uh, toilet seats should be heated. I think flooring should be heated. I think wall surfaces should the be heated. The only thing is, if anyone's listening is looking to do something like that, I would look into, depending on who, like what manufacturer you like using, is make sure that it's a flexible uh, thin set. So there is some thin sets by Mapei, Lat. I don't know if Schluter does. I think Ardex might have some. So it, it needs a little bit of electricity so that when it heats up and cools down, you want it to be movement. able to have a little bit of that movement in behind. Wouldn't so any, any material that is modified? Uh, heavily, it would have to be heavily, heavily poly modified. Yeah, poly modified. Yeah, but even Schluter's thin set is like extremely modified. I don't, I don't know. I don't know who's... But I would just make sure if anyone... You want to make sure that it's like the best of the best in terms Matic of like the flex to pay. Like they do. There's yeah. a shitload of glue in there, yeah, Titanium would probably be, off the top of my head, would be a good one. Um, uh, I think uh, Ardex would be probably X77 or X78. Yeah, so just double check that. And then the pay, the best would be like a Carob... Was it Caroplot? No, it'd be Carolastic with Carabon. Would be your best. It'd be care elastic, yeah, because yeah, there's, there's a lot of glue in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you all could you probably care about. even get. You could probably even get away with care ply with care uh, carbon. Yeah, um, and with a, a pay product, it just it's not very fun to play with those those in particular when it's like a, when when you're mixing. Very gummy. The, yes, it's extremely gummy. Yeah, and keep but it your, it'll keep work. Your tools very clean a lot. Yeah, don't wait till the end work. of the day, but it'll work, right? Yeah, I think it would work. So, and the other thing I want to just chat about before we wrap up. Yeah. I love chair rails. I love tiles and ceramic and brick mm -hmm. pattern and chair rails. Yep. I hate that the market hasn't caught up with designing much better chair rails, ceramic chair rails. Mm. I think there was talk at one time about Schluter getting to the trim chair rail molding, like pencil rails. Were, Interesting. There was a discussion about it. It never happened. But I've always been frustrated with pencil rails where, what is it? Two options, two colors. You either get a beige one or you get a marble one right it's like the, it's like the marble thresholds for shower jams which are 
we don't use anymore. Nobody uses it except for Home Depot and people buying that kind of stuff. I would love to see some more interesting. And I know that you've worked with Ann, Ann Sachs quite yep. a bit. And they've got beautiful, like, insanely beautiful chair rails. I, I'd love to see more of an expansion on that line. Because that's like classic tiling. That's the thing, though. It's like it's very it's very classic. But you can make a, a contemporary version of a classic if, if, chair rail. I think uh, I think the biggest thing is people don't know that that's po- a possibility. So I think information is the you know the number one. So um, who makes it and what is available, and then who wants to take it to the next level? I know a lot of Spanish tile like manufacturers. Yeah. They will do little trims and stuff like that. I think some Portuguese ones, um, some Italian ones, um, and then a lot of these little boutiques that we have. Um, will have uh, that are like custom made. I know like a place in California, uh, Pratt and Larson, they do a lot of like um, custom trims and stuff like that, that we work with. There's a company called fifth and fur and they sell a lot of um, like custom trims and there's like all kinds of options. And then you can get like the color you want, the finish you want, um, the size you want, like everything. So it's like completely custom, but like now these days it's, you know, it's like an eight week to 12 week order not everyone's willing to wait, but if you get, you know, if you're in the in the processing in the in the the early stages, you can get your foot in, get it set in, put in your order, and then patiently wait. But then you have this beautiful, you know, artistic classic vibe that you can add to your um, add to your bathroom or kitchen, whatever you want. Um, you know, we don't do it much anymore. We would, you know, do some fun stuff you know and backsplashes and stuff where you get you know take yeah. the trim and do this yeah. and create a little inlay i and, love seeing and just, all that kind of stuff it's just it gives it a nice flair um, you know i personally really like those kinds of details um i'm not a huge like massive open concept you know monotone kind of like you know stone stone same stone stone stone, 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 stone some stone. wood and waterfall stone yeah stone, all stone. the hardwood yeah. and like you come in and you're you're like you know you don't want to touch anything. Yeah, it's a museum. Just, I don't want to touch anything. Yeah. I don't want to use this room for the purpose of this room. Yeah, but that's just me. You know, there's people that really like that, that monotone. I, I really like the, you know, I like call it like grandma chic. You know? <laughs> like you want to come in and, you know, you, you can like imagine like, a, you know, fresh baked bread or, you know, pumpkin pie. And you want to come in your kitchen. You want to sit, you know, there's a, this warm, you know, come in the island and sit. It's got these beautiful legs and yes. like, you want to come, you want to sit and watch and talk to your you know, to the host, if, if you're a guest, right, and have a glass of wine or whatever it is, um, and really enjoy the atmosphere. And you've got these little details on the kitchen and, you know, you've got this beautiful tile on the kitchen yep. floor, right? Um, and it just, it's more warming, right? And with the tile on the floor, you drop something, it's no problem. You clean it up, right? Whereas if it's hardwood, you're going to dent it, right? Yeah. So you, you just... You just would. I think clients and designers, they need to just, I, I think we as tradespeople think more about all those little functional details. I think so in general. In I would general. Say so. In general, right? Yeah. Because it, it's definitely, the designers it. definitely look a lot more of the looks. Aesthetics. Like that's, yeah, aesthetics. Yeah. Probably 90% aesthetics, 10% functionality. Now that, that scale moves generally depending on the client, right? If they're more like a practical, um, but generally they'll, you know, if the heads collide where they've they've hired a, a designer that's more leaning towards the look versus the practical, then, you know, they find themselves in a bit of a, 
tight place, right? They're like, oh, I really want this to be practical. And, you know, the client's like, well, that's not going to look, I mean, the, the designer, oh, well, that's not going to look very good. And the client's like, you know, puts their foot down, like, I don't care. I need this to work. I, you know, um, I'm not going to be doing the cleaning or they will be doing the cleaning and they need to make sure to be able to like, be able to maintain what they have, right? In terms of like the material and stuff like that. Like, I don't know how many endless conversations I've had. And it's really sad um, after we've done the project and then we've been brought in after a month or three months or whatever and like, oh, Larry, you know, we've had a problem with this or this stained or this, that, or, you know, we, this is now etched or whatever. And like, did the designer not kind of go through this with you that, you know, now you have a natural product in your bathroom that your husband that can't pee inside the <laughs> toilet and it's leaking all over the place and you have this etch yeah, yellow marble around yeah. the toilet. Now that beautiful white Dassos is turned yellow. And that's and what big, would well, happen. Like, it's well, disgusting. I've never done that, man. I know. It's so, and then, um, and they're like, well, but why? I said, well, if you really want to get into it, you know, the, the urine is very acidic and stone doesn't like the acid. So, you know, the whole, like, let's go have a shower and then you pee in your shower is probably a bad idea. You want to probably <laughs> do that in your toilet before you go in your shower, right? <laughs> so you're going to be burning your marble. Like, oh, well, that's a really a pain in the ass because I like to get up in the morning and piss in my shower every morning. Like, <laughs> well, then you should have probably had that discussion with your designer, right? you should right? seal your natural stone every single week and then you can pee in it all you want and watch the pee bead. The pee is going to bead all over your beautiful marble. Yes, and marble. you can spray it and like, <laughs> test it. And when it's, not, when, it's, when it's not beating anymore and you call us up the and, hey. The conversations that we have with clients, say eh? like, Sometimes you have to get personal. Oh, man, just get and, Like, if you really want to get into it, right? Um, but you have to. I, I find that sometimes you have to be really open to find out what it is that the client, and I always lean to whatever the client needs. Of course. If the client wants it to look really good and they're okay with the maintenance, as long as I've explained it, okay, you know, we've, we've built custom marble sinks and stuff like that, right? Like, you understand that this is a marble sink. Sponge. You know, where your guests are coming and washing and slobbering all over it, right? They're not going to be as careful as you that there will be some maintenance involved if you want it to keep looking this way. Now, myself personally, I would like to make a custom sink in my powder room in the future, but I want it to age, I want it to start getting etched in, you know, a couple of dents and stuff like that. Cause it's going to add character. It's going to add character. Yeah. Right. So, but that's me, but you have, but you have to inform the client like, Oh, what it's going to etch. It's not going to keep looking like this. It's like, no, 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 it, it won't. And if you want it to keep looking brand new, well then it's like taking it to a mechanic shop. You, you need to go and change your oil every X amount of months. Um, unless you have a Tesla, then <laughs> I know, but see, it goes back to the beginning of what you talked about, how that's technically not your responsibility to educate the client that. No, but sometimes I feel... You should, but I think it should come from the designer. It should. Because they're they're selecting these materials. Yeah. So they said, sure, you can choose this. It's a natural stone. But... How good is your husband's aim? Like, these are the questions that should be asked, right? For sure. And then you tell them, listen, if you got got four boys, wow, no natural stone for you guys. Are you, are, right. uh, have you trained them to sit every time they pee or are they standing in their, no, you know, no, it's going to be, no, it's, it's you know I mean? it's going to so, literally be a pee show. That's yeah. all it is, man. Yeah. Larry. 
Pleasure you, seeing you again, bro. www.keytile.ca and it's info at keytile.ca and it's on Instagram at, at keytile and also at keysurfaces. Let's do the 12 sure. questions again. Uh, just going to do a one quick shout out. Sure. For, um, I know I'm wearing his shirt. It's from Centennial Tile out west, but they've actually done jobs out here in Montreal, Toronto, some of these bigger projects. Um, this is kind of like one of like the last like mom and pop shops, at least I know out west. So when I see mom and pop, like, you know, the father works there, the son, all the daughters, like it's like a family tight knit. Um, obviously, they hire other people as well. But like where are they located? What's the, you know? They're in Burnaby okay. in in, um, in the lower mainland, but they also do, they do projects across Canada. They'll right? ship. Yeah, they'll ship, right? Um, you know, hotels, like bigger projects. They'll do um, a high-end residential, medium, like they'll do development stuff. Uh, nice. They have tons of product in terms of like uh, tile stone and stuff like that. Um, and then they also do the materials. So they, they carry laticrete in particularly, but like, it's, it's so nice because like um, the ProSol has taken over our West coast. So there, we had this great little kind of more locally owned company before it was called Pacific rim flooring. And it was a little bit more lax and a lot of people with a lot of information and stuff like that. And then they got their foot in the door, ProSol, then bought them out. And then they've combined all these, these stores. And then a lot of these people don't have a place to go anymore. They only have that. And, and we try to um, support these still smaller, the mom and you know, pops. Yeah, the, the, yeah, these companies that, you know, don't have 56 stores nationwide and they're just trying to gobble up that's all they're doing is just trying to keep gobbling up all these small people right like all these smaller companies right because the, these 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 companies these smaller companies are are paying their uh their employees better they're treating them better yeah. you know they, these these you know i'm not trying to downface but they they do you you see this like all the old school guys that i used to know that i could call upon at a pro sol they're all gone now Cause like they just keep getting pushed out the door, they right? Wanna, they didn't like they didn't want their twenty five cent raise. No. They're not going to stay anymore, right? So no. like they just get pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed until like they're all dispensable. They don't care. Like whatever, we'll just find some other person that doesn't really like their job and come and work for us for a little bit, and then they leave. I don't care. We'll just it's hire interesting. Somebody the tile, the stone, material suppliers. That whole landscape changed as a result of the bullshit pandemic, right? Like that it, too. it completely dramatically changed. It just I got. I guess you saw the corporate side of the world come in and just take over and now you don't i don't see the customer service being treated or being presented to trace people anymore mm -hmm. i think you're just another person that comes in and buys something and that's it yeah you're just another monthly okay how much is he exactly. spending here he's spending five thousand five hundred ten thousand i'll treat you a little bit better if you sure. spend a lot of money exactly and even that you don't always get what is your favorite construction word i know we've done these before but not on camera mm, construction word word Word. Word. Um, it has to be our word. Could be a phrase. I'll make it a phrase. Yeah, make it a phrase. I can change these rules I anytime. Prob I, want. I probably said this before. So the phrase would be: um, "There's, it's never a problem. There's always solutions." That would be my favorite. No stress, just success. Yeah, that's what I've heard from an Irishman. Oh yeah, okay. What is your least favorite construction word or phrase? Uh, that can't be done. What turns you on in construction? Um, what it turns me on in construction, uh, the process from the beginning to the end. Yeah, I think it, it's the it's the relationship that you 
with other trades Nurture. and with other the clients or the contractor, whatever. It's 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 the process that really fires. It turns me on. You know what I mean? Like I really like that the whole process. What turns you off in construction? Inconsistency. What's your favorite curse word? Which one? My favorite curse word? Or phrase. Holy mackerel! <laughs> what is it? When, like for a split second there, I was watching the Andy Griffith show. Uh, <laughs> what is your favorite vehicle in the entire world? Oh, favorite vehicle? There would be so many. Like, I don't know, maybe like a Bel Air. Really? You went way back, eh? Oh, yeah. Old school, like huh? a Bel Air or like a Thunderbird or a something baby like blue? that. A baby blue? Red. Yeah, red. Red and white or something like that. What is your least favorite vehicle? My least favorite vehicle? The Hyundai Pony. <laughs> they still exist. I've been in one of them. Uh, lots of room. Uh, what construction sound or noise do you love? Um, the multi-tool. Yeah, like, man. <laughs> What construction <laughs> sound or noise? Wait, that was you love that sound? Why not? It's great. There's like progress. Okay, what construction <laughs> sound or noise do you hate? Is the uh, I would say it would be other people's music. Any kind of music? Yeah, like especially if it's like um, it's just anyone else's music. But it's like it's not going to be generally. It's not going to be your taste, and they're going to be blaring it through. And you're like you're trying to concentrate. You know, you're trying to you know undercut something. Eee! And you want to really kind of hear that high pitch sound, and then you can't hear it, you know, because of like you know, it's like blow the like, painter. He would have his system going, and he would have like the Euro beats going that oh. are like thirty minutes long right. for one track. I'm like, dude, change this shit, man. Like, I don't yeah, want the yeah, Euro yeah. beats here, man. Like, this is ridiculous. What profession yeah. other than your own would you like to attempt one day? Finishing carpentry. What profession would you not like to do? Drywalling. <laughs> a rocker. If heaven like she, exists. Yeah, doing sheet, doing sheet the sheet. Rock. Yeah, sheet not, rock. just, I, you know, take my hats off for, for those who do it. Um, I think it's a lot of work and I think it's very underrated on how much, you know, s skill. How and important it is. How important it is for these guys. And they, they break their backs to really get, you on know, those things 12 going. foot, five eighths. <sighs> You know, one-handed. Uh, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates? Welcome, my son. Larry, always a pleasure to see you, man. Ketile Co., everybody, www.ketile.ca, and it's info at ketile.ca, and it's on Instagram, Ketile Co., and Key Surfaces. That's where we're at. We out of here. Thank you so much, bro. Thank you. See you soon. It's always a pleasure. Ta.